Welcome to Blockchain Inside, the podcast co-produced by Ideas, Purdue Blockchain Lab, and CastBox. Our vision is to connect everyone in the blockchain industry and explore the most up-to-date news. We hope this podcast will be educational, easy to understand, and inspirational for all our listeners. I'm Coach Culbertson, and today we have with us Stephen Mead. Stephen, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself to the audience a bit? Thanks, everybody. Just Stephen Mead, lifelong entrepreneur. My joke is I've never had a job because I am unhirable. <laughs> it took me a few years to figure out why. I've been fortunate in my, my history. I think last count we started uh, 11 companies, taken three public, and we're doing one in the blockchain space now that actually is built around an idea that I tried to do in 2000, 2001, and nobody in the world understood it. And now people are are sort of gravitating to what we're doing. So timing is everything. Nice. Tell us a little bit about how you got started with blockchain. The blockchain component to me really wasn't that fascinating. And it's still, I don't want to be in a, in a negative, but it's still not that interesting. I think it's really going to be a big technology and a big, big opportunity. The technology we have is called Mineta Pro, which is a closed loop payment system. And the technology exists as a, as a marketplace. Blockchain itself enables one of the components. So it solves one of the three big problems okay. that we're solving for big Fortune 500 companies. Uh, so we could do 90% of what we're doing without blockchain, but the blockchain component does solve a pretty good, big piece for us. So blockchain, big, heavy word, a lot of uh, myth around it, a lot of, do you think that blockchain is really going to change the world or is it just some new technology everybody's flapping their lips about and eventually just go away? Well, I can be rhetorical and say, did the internet change the world? <laughs> right on. All right, but within there, I've got a, a more nuanced answer. And my answer is the internet, in my opinion, did not disrupt every industry, but it displaced a lot of processes. And I use banking. Banking is a great example. I've been around the internet. I started my first company in 96. I took it public in 1999. It's a, the e-commerce marketing. It's what became PayPal. So I've been in the industry for a long time. The internet didn't disrupt banks. Banks are still around, but the internet provided new efficiencies. There's displacement. You've got ATMs and online banking and bill pay and auto transfer. You have a lot of things the internet enabled you to do more efficiently. And if you look across broad industries, the internet itself, in my opinion, is not an industry. It's mm -hmm. a technology that enabled e-commerce and online banking and, and travel and websites. And now you've got Skype and Telegram and You've got all kinds of things that exist now that before the internet did not exist. Parlay that into blockchain, in my opinion. Blockchain's the same thing. It's not a, quote, industry. When people say, are you a blockchain company, that's to me like saying, are you an internet company? It doesn't make any sense. Okay. But the blockchain components, I think, are going to enhance, displace, accelerate a lot of industries. You can look at what Ripple's doing in banking. You can look at some of the things that are going on in payment, you can look at some of the things going on with identity. Uh, so to answer your question directly, yeah, I think it is a big deal. I think it will actually be bigger than the internet because again, when the internet started, we didn't know what the internet could become. Hmm. So there hmm. were a lot of people that said, oh, you'll never buy online. Oh, you'll never do e-commerce. Oh, you'll never have video conferencing. That's all science fiction. Well, it all exists. Today, <laughs> right. we have all those things we couldn't imagine 20 years ago. 
so so blockchain is going to accelerate in a, in a pace infinitely faster than the internet. But again, in my opinion, a lot of it is going to displace and enhance existing processes. It's not going to disrupt and blow up industries. Gotcha. So, uh, so there's a lot of business owners listening to this podcast right now. How can, how can they know if their company should really start, start looking at using blockchain? Again, so one of my big sayings is when I do, I do a lot of keynote speeches now, which I love to do. And my saying is, it's called unblocking the blockchain. But the premise is, I'm not going to teach you how the blockchain works. I'm going to teach you how the blockchain works for you. And what that means is as a business owner, so many people I think are caught up in trying to figure out how it works. What is blockchain? How's it work? What's a ledger technology? That, that's like looking at a, a code on a website, you know, or looking at a bunch of HTML code on your screen and trying to figure out the coding. You don't need to know how the coding works. You need to say, hey, here's a website. I know what a website does for me as a business. How does a website make me more efficient? How does it help me sell my product better, help me communicate with my customer, help me lower my costs? And if you put that frame of reference on for blockchain, it's not about figuring out how it works. It's looking and saying, how can I do something more efficiently? And if you use the simple parallel again, what did the internet do to your existing business? Any business owner out there can look and say, okay, whatever the internet potentially did for my business, did it allow me to do a website to market directly? Did it allow me to add e-commerce? Did it allow me to have chat rooms to my customer? Allow me to have international conversations with, with Skype and Zoom and Telegram? And then to go, what could blockchain do to make your company more efficient? Better, faster, cheaper? That's what you need to look at blockchain for, not how it works. Trying to figure out how it works is, is, is running down the wrong path, in my opinion. Hmm. So what are the bad sides of trying to use blockchain? Well, long-term, I'm not sure because there aren't enough people that have actually implemented it. Right now, it's a bunch of blockchain babble and people running around claiming they're going to do something that's never been done. Hmm. So okay. I, I, think, I think we're, yeah, it may be a little too contrarian for some people, but I, my comments are what I say not politically correct, but politically direct. <laughs> right now, there aren't a lot of clear examples. There's a lot of hyperbole. There's a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of blockchain's going to save the world for identity and food security. And there, there's a lot of things that haven't been built yet. But conceptually, you can see where they will go. But the bad side, we haven't seen one yet in terms of potential implementation. The vagrancy lacks have been on execution because there haven't been a lot of successfully executed companies yet in the blockchain space. So that's where I think some of the, the discrepancies are. Got it. So for folks who are looking to move into crypto and blockchain, how can someone go about choosing the right advisor for a crypto project? What kind of background is necessary and, and what kind of advisor do for the company? I mean, what's, where can we even find a decent advisor at this point in time in the industry? Wow. Well, that, that's a, a great question that bugs me to know. And I actually wrote an, article specifically on that about three weeks ago uh, because we, we speak at conferences around the world and I have people come up to me saying, who's doing your ICO? And I say, well, what do you mean? Oh, well, we're advisors. Who's doing your ICO? And I looked at them and I say, what capacity? Well, your ICO. And I go, what capacity? There's 47 things that need to be done. 
Are you doing legal? Are you doing jurisdiction? Are you doing tokenomics? Are you doing token delivery? Are we doing platform? Are we doing telegram? Are we doing messaging? Are we doing marketing? Are we doing offshore jurisdiction for a nonprofit? If you can't tell me what your services are, why do I need to hire you if I know the 47 things in the checklist? So to that point, I think there, there's a lot of people running around claiming to be advisors that don't know what they're doing. And it's the business owner's responsibility to know what they need in terms of stages. You know, there, there's stages about how do you establish your legal? What's your jurisdiction? How's your company going to be set up? Is it domestic or, or offshore? Are you going to do a private sale or a public sale? So you've got a whole aspect of legal if you're doing an ICO, if you're using blockchain technology, these are different questions. But, you know, you've got legal, you've got marketing. You, you have people that should focus and specialize on different aspects. There's no one advisor that can do it all. That's like saying I'm going to hire somebody to build my house and I'm going to hire one guy to build the whole house. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hire the best guy in the world to put the foundation in and I'm going to hire the best guy in the world to build the walls. And I'm going to hire the best guy in the world to come in and paint it. I'm not going to hire one guy to do it all because I don't think anybody can be that good. Are you aware of any specific channels that, that we can very easily find a pool of advisors? Or is that something that, we, that really doesn't exist yet? A pool of advisors? Well, again, pedantically, it depends on what you need them for. So, in my, for instance, for us with Veneta Pro, we separated our advisors into three quadrants. I think we actually have four. So we have one quadrant of advisors that are corporate advisors. Our particular product for Mineta Pro, our customer is Fortune 500 companies, Ford, Walmart, United Airlines, Caterpillar. So we have a whole group of advisors that come out of the Fortune 500 corporate because customer acquisition is going to be important to us. Then we have a core set of what are called crypto advisors, and those are people who understand the legal and understand some of the services. And then we have a service set of crypto advisors, which are the ones around the public relations and the PR and the marketing. Um, so I, I don't know that there's any one area. I think companies, again, need to look at specialties and say, what do we need? Do we, if you're not doing a public ICO, having crypto public advisors may not make any sense. You know, so where, where do you find the best people that are most relevant to your company in terms of what your stage is and what you're trying to deliver as a, a product or service? Got it. Got it. So we're about to bring this podcast on in for a landing. Uh, is there a good way for, for our audience to connect with you? And uh, do you have any resources for our blockchain enthusiasts? Yeah, so our, our website, uh, manetapro.io, is, from the corporate standpoint, this, the, the audience, like I said, our customers, Fortune 500 companies, but on there, we actually have a resource page where I've tried to help the entrepreneurs just like what you're asking about. So not only do we have articles that are written, for instance, one of the last articles, back to your premise of a question, is when somebody asks me, who's doing your ICO? And within that article, there is a due diligence checklist. There's a great conference group out there called D10E, little D, the number 10, little E. Um, and they put together a due diligence checklist. And so, for instance, we have a due diligence checklist out there for somebody doing an ICO that they can look and print out and go, oh, well, here's all the steps I need 
to be successful. We have another one out there that's an actual spreadsheet that goes through a series of questions of whether or not you're classified as what's called a token or a utility, which is a big debate within the industry now in America. If you're doing a, a U.S. ICO blockchain company, there's this debate between security and utility and how we test. There's a bunch of things that people may not understand. We've got a great spreadsheet out there that it just walks you through a series of questions to help you predeterminate whether you're a utility or a security, which again helps you position your ICO and position your legal. Um, so we've got that website out there as we find these resources, we're just putting them out there as a service so people can find all the information. And, and we want people to be more successful in the industry. We want the industry to grow as a whole and we're just trying to find ways to help support it. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today, Stephen. This has been great. Yeah, thank you so much, and, and good luck to everybody out there. All right. Well, to our listeners, thanks for following up with us today. Blockchain Inside, the podcast, is co-produced by Ideas, the Purdue Blockchain Lab, and CastBox. Please subscribe to our show on castbox.fm slash blockchain lab and leave a comment there if you have any questions. I'm Coach Culbertson. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time.